All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to a brand new episode of SCAR. And SCAR stands for Seeking Courage and Redemption with Dustin Rivenbark. And we have a great guest on the line today, but before we get into all of that, I want to give you the intent of the podcast, kind of the why are we here, so to speak. And we're here to work out our hardships, our trials, our tribulations in such a way that we can begin to unfold God's plan for our lives. But you may be listening and saying, but Dustin, why do I need to listen to Scar? And the truth is we all have stuff. We all have hardships. We all have issues that can begin to pile up and even change the trajectory of our lives. So that's why you need to be here is we want to kind of unload, offload, and help each other navigate those hardships. And so with all of that being said, I want to introduce a great guest, Mr. Tom Shunez, to the show. Hey, Dustin. How are you, man? Man, it is an honor to have you on here. For those of you who don't know, uh, I'm I'm a big fan of of Tom Shunez's work. I'm gonna call him Chef throughout this uh, this episode. So, uh, Tom Shunez is the executive director of Youth Specialties, and also um, you do a lot of work through Orange. And I take it that. That youth specialties is now kind of a division through Orange. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Years ago, um, youth, we just saw youth specialties as, as an opportunity to help youth pastors, and um, it, it's a fifty-year-old organization that, uh, for years, was kind of the place to go um, for resources and help and community. Really, with people who love what you love and do what you do in youth ministry, as you know, you're often the only one. Uh, at your church that does what you do yeah. and loves yeah. <laughs> what you love, and uh, it can be lonely. And um, you know, I just, I just think the American youth worker is overwhelmed, under-resourced, and lonely. And so, the opportunity to lead YS came along, and I thought, man, that is an opportunity to um, to help, to step in, to provide community, to provide, provide resources, provide um, you know wisdom, and you know, just be the place where people can come together and share best practices and and sometimes just you know just need to refill because yeah. it's been a tough year yeah so, man uh love to do it love to do it and and that that that's awesome man let me tell you just a little bit about um just and, and mainly for my listeners because we kind of had a brief conversation before this i just want to tell you that my first year in ministry um many of my listeners know was one of the hardest years uh, of my life with the with the several losses that that I had kind of compounding on top of each other and orange curriculum uh, especially the XP3 for high school I, I usually uh, I'm, I'm a high school youth pastor and so the XP3 curriculum really helped keep a fresh um, uh, curriculum and and fresh attitude in a time when I really couldn't get my creative juices flowing because I was yeah. in a bit of a fog. So I want to thank you guys for all that you're doing there because you made you made a huge point, Chef. You said youth workers are overwhelmed, under resourced, and lonely. How are you guys seeing that play out in this pandemic right now? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's. It's difficult, um, 
you know, I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because I think it's the same challenges. The volume's just been turned up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, we have always struggled with getting kids to come into church, you know, or how to connect with kids or how to connect with parents. Those are not new challenges. The volume has just been turned up That's and great. the options have been turned down. And so, you know, um, you're just seeing a lot of frustration, a lot of people tired. On top of that, you're seeing um, anxiety because do I have a job? You know, the church is cutting budget. Um, yeah. You know, at what point are they going to get the salaries? And um, those are just all real, you know, pains. Not not different than maybe the rest of the world. Um, but you know, when when you're a pastor, when you're a minister, when you've when you've taken on the stewardship of caring for people the way we do um and as you you know you illustrated in your first year you know that's a weight and then yeah. that doesn't mean that the rest of the world's weights stop coming at you right you know? right and and you know what we're seeing is what we've always seen but again the volume's turned up you know uh we've run ourselves into the ground because yeah. we're under-resourced overwhelmed and tired and um, we tend to put ourselves last, so just seeing a little more of that. Again, the volume's turned up. We've always, you know, youth ministry is a burnout ministry. Yes. Like if you do not take care of yourself, you will not make it. It's not an option yeah. not to take care of yourself. So, um, you know, that's what we're seeing, and it's, it's, uh, it's tough to see, that's for sure, but doing our best to get as many resources out as we can. You know, I... People think Orange is a leader is a uh, curriculum company, and to be honest, we never set out to be a curriculum company. You know, I've been a part of it really since the beginning. Been, you know, Reggie's one of my best friends. Um, I love Reggie, by the way. Yeah, he's he's amazing, and he's a great leader, and he's always had a heart for this. But his heart is for leaders, you know. Yeah. And so, as we engaged with leaders who were putting the making the right priorities of partnering with the families. Um, you know, and turning over the the primary spiritual leadership of the family back to the family, you know, and, and the church really taking a new, instead of trying to be the point of it to help families do it better. Um, as we met people like that, their request was, hey, can you do some, can you do the curriculum? Can you help me on the creative side? Because anybody can do that. Yeah. I don't have time to do the things that only I can do, to love the people who have been entrusted to me in the way I need to, because I'm, I'm doing some stuff. And so, we became a, we became a, a leadership company that has a curriculum. In a lot beautiful. Of and beautiful. So what you described was overwhelming year. Don't have the creative juices. You know, that, yeah. I mean, that's true for all youth ministry. Yeah. Um, at some point, the, I mean, you had an extreme uh, year for sure. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, that's what we try to do, and that's how we're trying to help now the best we can. Is you know, help help people continue to engage with parents, help people to have great engaging content. You know, we've changed the way we've done a few things, um, but at the end of the day, um, it's still the same challenges, just turned up. So, Chef, you, you're mentioning same challenges, just turned up. Uh, I know, like, with the pandemic and, and all of that, um, I I go around uh, several different schools in the area, love, love speaking to schools, love doing all of this kind of stuff. Um, recently, as in early February, um, I'm, I'm at a at a new church now, and it's hard to um, it's hard to get momentum flowing. Things that you were normally good at, 
you're not allowed to do right now during pandemic. So uh, I know you guys have, have heard this and heard the struggle. And we just threw, like I'm coming off a high from last night. We threw a a uh, high school, middle school, um, doggone uh, Christmas bash last night. And I mean, uh, stage destroyed, just just fun, fun night. But here's the deal. It was it was surrounded by masks. We all had masks on. Uh, can't get in the schools. Can't do the things we need to create momentum. What do you say to those youth pastors, those youth workers out there that are just that are just like, man, I don't know what else to do, Chef. Right, right. Well, I mean, I think I think you you know you pick up the phone, you do what you can. You still can, kids still want to be connected. They're still looking for adults who are going to affirm who they are, and you know they still have the same questions going on in their mind. They're still trying to find a safe place, you know, uh, to ask questions, to you know, wrestle with you know struggles and those sorts of things. Yeah. And you know, somebody's like, you know, I call and I don't get called back. I was like, yeah, I understand that. Or I text and I don't, you know, get a text back. It's so funny. My daughter, who's in ninth grade has a incredible small group leaders and you know she got a text the first day of school um you know we don't we don't we don't spy on our kids yeah meaning it's not that we don't look at our phone their phone we just tell them we're gonna so right. it's fine, you know yeah. and so you know we're looking at her phone and we're looking at this amazing text from a small group leader and she hasn't replied and we're like you know what what <laughs> yeah what, what did you think about that oh it was so sweet and we're like what did you tell her it was you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and my point is, this small group leader had an effect. She just had no idea. You know what I mean? Wow. Wow. And, and so chip in a way at it, continue to send those texts. They're being read. They're being seen. They're not rolling their eyes. You know, it's someone reaching out to them. And, you know, it's the same thing we used to talk about in youth ministry is like, you can beat your head against a wall with sixth grade boys for 18 months, yeah. you know, and... Then there's a then there's a conversation after lights out at camp for about an hour and a half that changes everything. You yes. know what I mean? And here's because what I eighteen months didn't feel like you were making progress. Exactly. You know? For eighteen months you wanted to drag their head through the carpet. And <laughs> and and then here's what I maybe, noticed. Maybe you did. Yeah, maybe you did, man. And here's and here's what I noticed. Somewhere along that relationship, tragedy strikes in the kid's life or hardship comes up in the kid's life. They don't want the youth pastor, man. They don't want they want that small group leader, man. They they want the person that has been investing in their life. That is exactly right. And you know, it's not uh, one of the terms I use was rocket surgery. So, um, yeah. you know, it's not rocket surgery to yeah. know what those things are going to be. You know, <laughs> tragedy is going to strike. Questions are going to come up. Secrets are going. You know, it's just the it's just the adolescent mind. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I do that. I do a um, exercise with people. You may have seen me do it at a conference or two, um, where I just ask, "Hey, what are the you know what are the top?" secrets what are the top stresses going on in a kid's mind yeah you know and, and it's really just an exercise not to not for people to list it but for people to engage and start to empathize with what's going on because you start to think back to you know when i was an adolescent what was going on yeah and I, i've done it now probably 25 30 times and the same things come up with a, a one thing here or there but basically 
you know, doubts about my faith. I have doubts about my faith, and I don't have anywhere safe to go with it. Yep. You know, like yep. I, I tried with my parents, they wigged out, you know. Yep. Um, I have a secret going on about my parents. I'm, I'm frightened about my parents. Dad lost his job, or they're fighting a lot. I'm not mm. sure, you know, that's going to work. Um, or it could be a terrible secret about their parents, you know. I mean, the, the scale of that is they have some sort of sexual secret. They had some sort of experience that they don't know that they're trying to sort out in their mind. Um, that they have an addiction or a habit that they're trying to sort out, that they ha- they have a self-abuse issue, whether it's cutting or whatever, that they they have an abuse issue, which is always an interesting one because of the shame that comes with that, even though it's something that happened to them, not that came from within them. You know? Man. Um, and then, you know, a lot of questions about, you know, the number one question for teens right now in the church is they're trying to sort out, like, the LGBTQ stuff yep, and yep. what does the church think about it? Maybe I have some feelings that I don't understand or mm-hmm. maybe I have a cousin, a brother, a friend that I just don't know how to answer. So th- th- when I ask that question, all of those things, and, th- and then I ask the question, I'm like, okay, you know, I bring people up and everybody holds the sign. I was like, I want you to get in order from the easiest to say out loud to somebody to the hardest to say out loud somebody and again that doesn't have a right answer it just engages people with like hmm, yeah thoughts know? and then and then what i ask is um how safe do we want to be as mm. people and i'll stand on that line of easiest which isn't easy to hardest which is really hard stand in there uh, where how safe you want to be do you want to be safe enough for a kid to say they have a doubt about their faith do you want to be safe enough for them to talk about their parents do you want to be safe enough for them to talk about an abuse situation. I mean, two out of three abuse situations, sexual abuse situations, for instance, one in five, uh, one in four girls and one in six boys. So one in five kids will experience that in their first 18 years. Two thirds of those are never reported until they're an adult, if ever. Wow. And the reason is they don't have safe people to come to. They don't have, you know what I mean? And can you imagine if we were safe enough people for those two thirds of kids to start and bring that stuff into the light? Man, you know, that this could be a drastic different. Life, yes, yes. What it would do to the world. I mean, two thirds of one in five people are carrying the weight of this thing by themselves. And it's, it's just heartbreaking to me. It's what gets me fired up. It, it, it's what um, makes me want to just, you know, shake youth ministers and youth workers by the shoulders and just be like, hey, these stats are real in yes. your youth ministry. They're not just real outside. And let's get to doing the hard work of being the safe enough people um, to have those questions. So, um, that, you know, that's but all of that has always been going on in youth ministry, right? Right, right. And, and it still is going on. Um, it's just, you know, again, the volume's made it harder to be safe but you got to pursue these kids you just got to keep pursuing so chef you brought up some some really good points during this and and so i want to kind of unpack a few of these you you did mention um you you mentioned that you you know during your exercise that you have people do uh you've seen sort of 
a lot of the same concerns, a lot of the same issues over the years. But let me ask you this: from from the time, uh, let's say that you were growing up, the 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 time that that I was growing up, your your millennials, uh, we, now you're seeing your Gen Zs. Are there any differences, uh, big differences, notable differences that you're seeing from, let's say, the time you grow up to grew up to um, to what we have now? With this, um, uh, with this new uh, Gen X or Gen Z, what is it now? It's yeah. all you know. And so, uh, yeah. are you seeing we're, any we're any? Yeah. yeah. Are what big differences are you seeing? I mean, I think they are positive influences in a lot of ways. Um, I think it's a much more open generation. I think it's a much more empathetic, understanding generation. So, for instance, and I think it's a much more educated uh, generation. So. Um, just take like a medical situation like autism, you know, years ago it was one in 100 kids and now it's one in 10 kids or, you know, whatever the stat is that's on the spectrum where I think it's even lower than that or higher than that. But the reality is it's not that more kids have autism. It's that we understand the disease much more. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the stat just 10 years ago that I just said that one in six boys is sexually abused just 10 years ago was one in 10. And I don't think it's because more boys are being abused. I think it's because it's a different culture that's mm. much more open to talking about things. And so in a lot of ways, I feel like, you know, I spent the first 10 years of ministry and youth ministry convincing kids that they needed to share and have community. Now I'm spending a lot of time trying to get adults to understand, hey, the what they need is actually what they want. You just have to be a safe enough person for it to happen. Oh, yes, Um, yes. And so you don't have to talk a kid into it anymore. Like, it's what they want. They want community. They want uh, transparency. They want to be honest. It's a different world where you don't have to hide near as much as we used to have. So where did that shift come into play, Chef? Was that that just a cultural shift due to to more technology, Uh, just kind of the changing of the times? What do you think that was due to? It's a good question. I would guess technology and the speed of information has a lot to do with it. Um, the amount of information that's at our fingertips has a lot to do with yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just that stat of one in five kids, yeah. you know, yeah. what it means yeah. is if it's happened to you, I mean, the number one thing, that, the reason a kid doesn't tell you is because they're, they're afraid you won't believe them. Mm. But if the reality is one in five adults have, and adults are like, you know what, that's a real stat and we need to talk about it yeah it just becomes a place you know where it's safe and in fact you know i do a lot of coaching of of youth workers and youth pastors and it's so funny to me that they we celebrate things like you know what i had five counselor referrals last month and i had you know five in all of last year well you know what that's a win yeah you have a safe environment what scares me are the youth ministers or the youth workers who are like yeah we never have stuff like that come up in our you know right right Uh, or if you have volunteers and they never they never have issues you know they never bring you issues it's not that they don't have issues it's that you you don't have a relationship with them where the youth they feel safe enough to come to you for help the church should be the safest place for anything which means you as part of the body of christ need to work on being a safe place for people i love uh, that yeah. I love that, Chef, because here's here's the thing. Um, life is messy, man. And totally. 
and and youth ministry is messy and and I tell everybody that has the quote unquote the the perfect youth ministry um I, I don't even know what that is and and so that's that's uh you, you know uh taboo because um a, as we kind of grow there are gonna be things that arise there're gonna be new situations even in your youth you're man We've caught, you know, you're going to catch somebody vaping in the bathroom. You're going to catch, uh, you're going to catch these different situations going on. And so if you're not, if you're not having those, if you're not having those real relations, get to know your youth, um, uh, leaders, man. And, and, and who's really out there and, and all of that. How do you encourage someone that's just kind of stepping into a role, um, Maybe, maybe volunteer, maybe voluntold, right? Um, and and they're just kind of stepping into this role, and they're like, "Hey, look, uh, we're in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, all of these situations, I don't know, you, you know, what's happening. How do you get those creative juices flowing? How do you find out what your students are going through, Chef?" Yeah, well, I think, again, back to that safe place, the challenge isn't that kids don't want to talk about the challenge is getting adults uh, to reach out, to pursue, and to be that that safe place and to put in the time it takes to get a kid, you know, there. I, I laugh at, like, yeah, if you volunteered in my ministry, you volunteered for the season, meaning I, I led a middle school ministry, so you walked with kids from 6th to 8th grade. Yeah. And, and people are always like, why how can you require that? And my answer is always because that's what it takes. Mm. To have a one-year requirement is like waiting in line for a roller coaster. And just as you're about to get on the roller coaster to enjoy the ride, you decide to go to the back of the line and start again. Yeah. Because that year of work was chipping away and proven to a kid, you know what, I'm a safe place. I'm showing up because I choose to uh, because uh, I love you and I want to be, you know, um, a resource for you, although you don't ever use that word with a kid, but that's really what you're basically, you know, and again, how do I do that with adults? I try to, you know, if someone shows up or they're volunteered to be there, the first thing I want to do is tell them, hey, this isn't a job for everybody. Yeah. And I want to cast a vision for what the job is and the right people are inspired by that, that's right? Good. And the that's wrong good. people move on and that's okay. The worst thing that can happen is we have put bad volunteers in a kid's life over and over and over again and they never find a safe person in the church yeah um but you know when a kid has the courage to share what's going on in their heart whether it's that doubt that habit that feeling that they don't understand that first time that person's response the look on that volunteer's face will be the way they define how the church responded to their issue the rest of their life that is good person but the church the body of christ the person who's sitting there and so you know, I just want to cast vision to folks. It's like you, this is not a job for everybody. This is not a job you can do without Jesus. This is not a job, you know, like this yeah. is a serious stewardship and it's going to take work and time and, you know, hopefully it'll be rewarding to you. <laughs> hopefully you'll get right. those, those right. times. But if you do this right, you're going to be scared to death at points, yeah. you know. Yeah. You're going to be gritting your teeth. Um, yeah. Yeah, and you know, so the number one piece of advice I have for being a safe person is forget on the inside, not on the outside. That is huge. I'm always saying, watch your yeah. poker face. Like, have a loving oh, face, but man, all in your eyes. You know, <laughs> yes. it's like you know, if 
they see terror in your eyes, they know it's not a safe place to talk about something. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it's a great parenting skill, and it's an amazing um, small group leader skill or, or youth volunteer skill because once they start talking, you know, they're watching. And if they're not watching, someone in your group is watching because they're wondering if you're safe. So they're watching how you handle, you know, someone else's tough question. So... And, um, Chef, you mentioned you mentioned parenting. I want to shift the focus a, a little bit. So, um, a lot of this um, has to do with what goes on in the home. And so, with these with these listeners, um, we have a lot of, of of parents on here. And you're a dad. I'm a dad. And so, um, I, I want to know, like, like what is your what is your method, man? What is what is your motto for keeping up with your student? Because some or your child. Some people are saying, "Chef, you know, hey, man, this is this is all great stuff for a, a, a youth worker, but but look, bro, I just I got Christmas coming up. I I gotta just go get some groceries, okay? And and so, uh, what about that that parent that's just trying to navigate life and raise a child? Um, how, how do you encourage us to 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 kind of to kind of focus on family? Yeah. <clears throat> You know, if you're, it's the same, you've got to put in the time, you know, you've yeah. got to have the priorities. You've got to um, realize that every yes is a no somewhere, yeah. you know what I mean? And um, you've got to decide your priorities so you can decide your no's, yeah. so you're prepared to say yes to the right things and to your family. And so, you know, as you look at your day and your days and your week and your months, you know, you've got to be strategic about time. You've got to be thoughtful about, um, you know, just opportunities. When, you know, when they're little, you can plan for quality time. Yeah. You know, you prepare for quality time and you engineer that quality time, whether it's we're going to bake cookies together and I want to talk about this one thing or every night at dinner, you know, we've got this box on our table with questions you know thoughtful questions yeah yeah and for us hopefully good christian answers because i'm not even sure how to answer the question myself sort of stuff you know right but as they get older those times start to become less about what you prepared and more about being prepared for when they want to talk okay that's good makes sense and unfortunately developmentally their their life is shifting shifting much more and more to late nights and so often that's <laughs> the case with my 17 year old and electronics you know, man oh yeah yeah he wants to talk late at night so it's like oh gosh i'm so tired yeah you know, it's like this is this is my chance and then electronics on top of that is just you know yeah the, the advice i'd give is um don't spying the kids tell them what you're doing because you love it you know i i i when it comes to phones Again, it's probably too late. This is advice is too late for most people. They're always like, "I wish I would have known." That. Yeah, <laughs> your, your most your most opportune time to help with electronics is the moment before you give it to them. Mm. You know, if you're sitting there holding a phone and you're like, "Hey, I want to talk about a couple of things before I hand this over." Yeah, um, they will do anything and agree to almost anything. Yeah, so you know, those, <laughs> that's the time when I'm always like, "Hey, I'm not giving you a phone. I'm letting you use one of mine." So right. let's be clear about. You know, privacy. You have none when 
it comes to business. Yes. yes. I am going to track you with Life 360. I'm going to know where you are. I'm going to read your texts. And I, if I ever see something that's deleted, I'm going to ask you what that's about. Yes. I want you to know I've signed up for a service that I can go back and find out what that text is. So, you know, and here's what happens when someone texts you something you don't know what to do with. Come to me first. You never get in trouble for what someone texts you. All these, you know, kind of think through those rules. Um, and uh, you know, start. But once, if you hand a kid a device, it's like handing a kid a set of keys and saying good luck. You know, yes. you've got. It's gonna be a wreck. You know, you know, it's, <laughs> and it's gonna cost you. Yeah, and chef, the, the the reason the reason I mainly wanted to dive into this is because I think a lot of parents just don't understand that while all those what, like like what you're saying may sound okay that's 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 kind of basic but it's really not okay spending spending time with family is is so pivotal it's so huge it's so monumental we try to have at least one dinner okay um uh, a, a day at the table by ourselves with a family and no electronics on the table and so i really i really am intentional about trying to have supper time uh together as a family and so as much as we can when we're running through life and and all of those things and another thing i don't think parents really realize they have more hours with their kid than me as a youth worker ever will and and so when i'm there and you have suddenly uh you come to me hey fix my kid all right it's it there has to be a mutual understanding here chef yeah. You, you know, between the parent and the youth worker, the parent and the church, the parent and the pastor, there, there has to be a mutual understanding that what they're getting at home needs to flow from uh, a lot of what we're hearing and doing at church. Yeah, and I think that's the monumental shift is, you know, and that's the orange shift is you understand that partnering with parents is the key to it. Like you are not... The, the number one spiritual, you know, um, model for a kid is always their parents, good or bad. Yeah. And that's simply a, that's simply the amount of time they have spent. Now, you may be the only positive spiritual influence in a kid's life because yes. of their home life, you know. Um, and like you said, you know, there has to be. Yeah, there has to be, you know, for it to work as best as it can. But the reality is, as you know, in youth ministry you can't control what the parents do, yeah. you know, and, and you, you know, you're not the Holy Spirit, you know, I make people, I make youth workers say that all the time, say after me, I am not the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I'm not you the Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> you are a character in a kid's life. Yes. In the story of a kid's life. And, and that character may be a huge pivotal character. It may be a character that God is using to orchestrate a huge pivotal character to come into their life later. You may be, you know, a, a step along the way and you just have to trust God with the process you have to do the best you can you have to give parents every opportunity um, but what you, you know you can't give up on the kid you yeah. know you've got to do the best I mean when we we uh, at, at the ministry I used to ask we'd get our directors together when I was back at North Point and I was like hey what are all the things we do during the week and we would list literally hundreds and hundreds of three by five cards on a pool table in the basement of one of my um, directors and I said let's pile those into piles based on category and there were like five piles you know 
Yeah. And it was programming piles. It was, you know, and in that programming pile, it was find a speaker, prepare the message. There was volunteer piles of finding new small group leaders, training new small group leaders, those sorts of things. There were piles about the parents, reach out to parents and all those sorts of things. And I said, you know what? If you could only do one of those piles, if we could only do one of those piles for our students, which ones would it be? Mm. And it didn't take long for us to say, you know, the, if we could do anything for kids, it would be to find great adults to walk with them for a season. That That's was good. it. It was like, if we could find Jesus following adults who will engage with a kid for a season on purpose and walk with them, we'll probably do better than most churches in the country do who are worried about the microphone and the band and whatever. Yes. Um, but, you know, but that was, it was, you know, that was make-believe because we could do more than one. I was like, okay, so pretend we can do two, you know? And so we realized that we didn't even get to programming yet. We didn't even get to preaching yet. We didn't even get to teaching scripture. We got to, if we can create a great culture for these adults who are walking with kids in order for them to grow up, they're growing Christians walking with kids, you know? So it was like, find great adults, give them a great culture in which to live cast vision about engaging with kids that would be great but yeah. again it was you know make believe and I was like what if, what if we did three things what could it be yeah. you know and we got to the third thing and it was we would create programming that basically sets those leaders up for success now Beautiful. that is a huge shift in most programming because most programming is about the programming yeah you know most people show up to go to church and hear a message well we were saying well, what if we leveraged all of that uh. so that they didn't come to church to hear a message but they came to church to sit in small group and there happened to be a message that set small group up for deeper conversations where yes we building relationships right and we set those leaders up for that deep and i say all that because we got to the fourth one and this is where we argued a lot the fourth one was um parents and the argument was it shouldn't even be on our list because we don't control most of that we can't control um, what a parent decides and doesn't decide to do. And at the end of the day, it won, and it should be number one, but because we can't control it, it's number four. Mm. Um, it should be number one because at the end of the day, if a parent engages, that's the kid's best chance. Yes. You know? But it's number four in that we only control a portion of it. We can only make it available to parents. We can only think strategically about how to place our programming, how to email them or text them or put it on Facebook. Like, what's the best way to get them engaged with it? We can think strategically about that. But what we can't do is on the other end of the computer or the other end of the phone, get them to read it, get them to click on it, get them to engage with it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that was really where we got to. And so with those were the four things we decided we were going to do in ministry with 90% of our time. It wasn't that we weren't going to do anything else. It's that we were going to stay focused on this and not accidentally do something else. Yeah. If we were going to do something else. We were going to decide to do it. But, you know, you know, if, if an idea came up and someone raised their hand and be like, how does that fall into it? We call them our <laughs> four most redemptive to-dos. <laughs> four most redemptive up, to-dos. I like that. That's what we call it. It's like, like, hey, it. we need a sports league. You know, it's <laughs> like, raise our hand. Is that the best and highest use of our time to have a sports league? Because the, there's plenty of churches around here who do sports leagues great that our families can take care of. <laughs> but what if we were the ones who just focused on finding amazing small group leaders and setting them up for success for the kids, you know? Man, um, fantastic. And and, and I wrote kind of 
I wrote that down. I love that. Foremost redemptive to do's. Um, and and so another another thing I want to kind of bring it to a close because I do want to respect your time and I know you've got some uh, uh, things to do here. Um, question for you: How do I, as a youth worker, and then flip it? How do I, as a parent? All right, so how do I, as a youth worker, connect to those parents who are kind of standoffish from the church, but their kids semi-engaged? And so how do I keep trying to plug away uh, and reach that parent? And as a parent who is sort of um, um, navigating life and trying to make that, that transition, and I've never really been involved in church, but but I don't know. I, I can't just go from... Uh, Adam's family to Brady Bunch in a week, and so how do I, how do I make that shift with my student and get them excited? Yeah, uh, those are huge. I know, I know, and you're like, I don't, I can't do that in this amount of time. But well, I think that for a youth worker side trying to engage with parents, I think you have to start and just decide. You know what? I'm gonna, even though parents are frustrating me, even you know, we tend to get a really bad attitude about parents. They tend to, all of a sudden, they, they're they so frustrating, they kind of become the enemy in some ways. And it's, um, I think we just have to decide, you know what, even though it's not true about all parents, it is true about 99.5% of them. They want to be a better parent. Yes. You know, and if I start with that core belief, it changes the way I approach them. Um, and I think if that's true, then kids want, you know, they're worried about their kids, you know, they, they want to know about their kids. And so starting on a positive foot, often our first parental interaction is because we have a discipline problem, you know? Yeah. Um, I used to do this when I was a teacher. I would, you know, in those first few days of school, it wasn't hard to figure out who was going to be, who, yeah. who I was going to be making a <laughs> negative phone call about, you know, at some point during the year. Um, so jump on it and make a positive one before there's, you know, and parents want to talk about their kids. You know, yeah, they want to yeah. hear that their kid did great. They want to know an adult. You know, I love that. Um, I love that. Yeah, I mean that, that's, that's assuming the of it. assuming the yeah. best. Just just keep showing yeah. up and wanting to every be involved. Wants to be a good parent. Just start there. Just yeah. you know, I'm going to give everybody the benefit of the doubt and assume that's what they want. Um, and then on the other side, man, it's just a matter of. It's priorities and one step at a time. You've yeah. got to be. We are all going to mess our kids up. You know, you can't yeah. get into the perfection mode and give up because something didn't go right. You just got to keep chipping away at it because something's not going to go right. And the older they get, the more it's, you know, the more it becomes 50 50 responsibility. Yeah. You know, that's what yeah. I tell people all the time is you can do everything right with a parent, and a 15 year old can just decide to yeah. do whatever yeah. they want. <laughs> and your identity is not. In you know your kid's behavior, yeah. it's just not yeah. you know. And um, again, parents can do everything right, and their kids can just decide to you know mess up. And that's it. it's not your identity, you know. It's their choice. They're human, and you just if you, if you want a relationship with them, you got to continue to pursue them and love them. Chef, um, um, I, I tell you. Can. That that's that's so huge, and I'm I'm so appreciative. Uh, just for me, because I'm a fan of yours and your work and what you do, um, you you know, and and for the listeners, um, uh, who who are like, hey, just out of curiosity, man, what does your prayer life look like, man? <laughs> My prayer life, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's. I mean, the, again, I'm more grace. You know, I 
I'm like, you know, I hear stories, you know, I, grew, I was at North Point, you know, so I'd hear stories from Andy Stanley about his dad, Charles, and he had a prayer room and carpet, you yeah, know. Right. And Andy, Andy would come in and he'd be on his knees for hours, you know. That is not my... Right. <laughs> it's not mine either. I, I, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I, you know, felt guilty about that. But the more and more I do this, the more I'm realizing, you know, it is that, you know, pray, you know, the whole never ceasing idea. Yeah. Um, never made sense to me younger when I see it as, so I'm on my knees in that prayer room the whole time. But now as I'm older, that kind of constant connection of, yeah. you know, um, that, that to me is much more, um, much more part of it. And for me, it, my prayer life comes down to, because of that, eliminating distractions, right. you know? Love it. Um, I don't always have to be listening to a podcast in the car. I can turn it off or yeah. a radio program or sports whatever it is, or yeah. politics. Just turn the politics off. I'm in Georgia right now, man. Yeah. I'm so <laughs> tired of political yes. ads and political talk. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you just don't take the AirPods with you on a walk. Just go, you know, be with your thoughts and your mind. And that's, that's prayer for me, you know? Yeah. Um, and just asking, you know, what what is in this for me? What what you know? I think you know, depth for me is not uh, it's not what we do necessarily anymore, or yeah. it's not what we know about Jesus anymore, and it's not necessarily that I journal. Anymore. Yeah, right. You know, depth for me is more. Um, it comes from what I believe about how deeply Jesus is involved in my life. Love it, man. Um, and it's much less about Jesus watching me, and now the more it's more like Jesus is walking with me mm. um, through stuff. And again, you know, that's back all the way back to what I'm asking volunteers to do. I'm asking volunteers in a lot of ways to be Jesus to a kid. It's and that's you know, the hands and Paul feet. Yeah, talking about the bodies, of Christ, the body yeah. of Christ. And, yeah, you know, and that's what I'm like. Hey, you're not an adult watching a student or teaching a student you're an adult walking with the student you know and then that whole pray without ceasing becomes a much more realistic thing for me because it's just an ongoing conversation yeah um, and and, and going to see jesus and others yeah and and know? and that's a huge thing for me i just i, I want to constantly be in communion um going to get in my truck i kind of pray about my trip you know what i'm saying i i, yeah, I just kind of yeah. try to Try to go through the day and pray. I love that. I love that. One final, uh, one final question for you, Chef. Um, who do you put yourself around, man? Like, like, who are the people around you? You don't have to name them. I, I just want to know what type of people do you surround yourself with, man? Well, um, I love smart people. Yeah. You know? I love. Um, I love. Again, just real people. You know what I mean. Um, and, you know, I'm around lots of people. It's just the reality of this stage of my life. Yeah. You know, I've got three kids and we're around lots of people. But who you choose to spend that extra time with or that, you know, that it's not disposable time, but the time you choose to use, you know, men's group this morning, same guys for the last nine years, you know. Yeah. Um, and then there's, yeah, if you haven't ever, there, here's a resource for you. That if you haven't read it yet, John Townsend wrote a book called People Fuel. People Fuel, okay. People Fuel, John Townsend, and he really kind of 
outlines this basically audit of your relationships. Like, who are the people in my life and what category do they fall into? And, you know, most people fall into that they're, you know, they're just people we do life with. But there's two levels that are important, um, coaches and comrades. And coaches are people you the way he defined it is he's like these are almost people you pay they're about you so they could be a counselor they could be you know <laughs> uh, somebody that helps you with fitness or you know they could be a financial advisor they're people who know more about something and they're about helping you yes you know grow in, in in your weaknesses but comrades are the interesting one and they are people who really know your last 10 percent and mm. they're they're not just best friends they're best friends who you've had a conversation with to say you know hey will you be my comrade and can I be a comrade for you and because of that I need to I need you to know the last 10% of what's going on in my life I love that so I'm definitely getting that (laughs) it's a great great book and I think one read it in two ways one of an audit of your own relationships yeah and I was talking to John I'm like John we need to write this for parents so parents can audit their kids relationships and think through like who am I surrounded my kids with you know we very rarely strategically think about that you know they show up and they're friends with they're basically friends with the kids that are friends you know right Uh, right we talk about we talk to kids all the time about choosing their friends wisely but they really don't choose their friends their friends kind of (laughs) um and so uh, just thinking about it that way, it's just a great book. One I'd recommend to people. I've been recommending a ton to. Just the concept is is huge, and so it, it's a great answer to your question. Um, and then within that, you'll see the sort of people I try to surround myself with on purpose. You know, Wonderful. but it's a, that's a huge idea and really important. So a uh, couple resources um, just for uh, our listeners and all of that. Definitely check out People Fuel. I'll be checking that out by John Townsend. Another one, Lead Small, man. Uh, the book Lead Small by Tom Shunez and Reggie Joyner. It is, uh, it is phenomenal. And, and I think youth leaders around the world should read this. I honestly, I believe parents around the world uh, should read this book, Lead Small. Um, Tom... There's one that goes with it for church leaders. If you're if you find yourself in charge of the ministry, it's called When Relationships Matter. When relationships. And it's the same concepts. It's just how you create a culture of lead small. Lead small is really a book you hand to your small group leaders. It's a job description of what it means to be uh, that safe adult. Uh, but when relationships matter is kind of the the architecture of how do I create an environment that attracts adults who would do this? You know. Yes. Um, and so that that one is uh, me, Reggie, and uh, Christina Ivy joins us on that. Who's brilliant? Yeah. And, um, and guys, it doesn't stop here. I've got in my hand right now the art of group talk, and it just goes on and on and on. And so I've got a new kind of leader over here. And so yeah, um, yeah. So you guys need to jump on on. Where can we learn more about you, Chef? Where can people go to learn more about you and what you do? Well. I mean, any, anything with you, specialties, um, uh, orange, anything orange or an orange event, orange conference, orange tour, those sorts of things as we start to dial those back up in the world. Um, one of my favorites is a podcast. Um, I don't know if you've read or, or um, oh God, I'm having a The podcast with the orange students, um, which is just um, Rethinking Youth Ministry, okay. RYM. 
Um, that's the one. I have a website, Coach Chef, S-H-E-F, CoachChef.com. Yep. If you want to get in touch with me, or I do a lot of, again, coaching of individual or group youth workers, do some trainings for volunteers at events, um, those sorts of things, and some coaching. So, you know, um, those are ways they can check all of that out. All right. Love it. Well, uh, Chef, again, um, I, I totally uh, – uh, respect your time. I appreciate your time. You coming on Scar and kind of taking us all the way from youth ministry to to parenting uh, to back again, and how we can kind of find ourselves uh, uh, lost and how we can help find ourselves through Jesus and all of that. I think it's just been um, a phenomenal um, podcast that I believe our our listeners, hopefully you can really grab some good nuggets on both sides of the fence and be able to apply this to your lives. So once again, thank you so much, Chef. And Justin, thanks for having me. Yes, sir. If you'll hold on for just a second, as for our listeners, I will see you in the next couple of days.